Who, I'm sorry, somebody asked me to pray for somebody a minute ago, and uh, amen. Brittany and Bill, Bill's daughters, Bill's family, okay, all right. Oh, Father, we love you. Thank you for life and peace tonight. Lord, thank you for uh, speaking to us, and thank you for giving us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, we pray for Brittany. We thank you, Lord, for opening doors for her. We thank you, Father, for leading her forward in the things that you have prepared for her. Lord, we pray for Bill and his family. Lord, we don't know all the details behind this, but Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for his peace, his comfort, Lord, that he brings, his strength. Thank you for the Helms family, the blessing that they are. Um, and, and obviously, Father, there's a connection there, friends, business associates. So we just pray that the Helms family, Lord, would, would be there for them as well as many others. Thank you for life and peace tonight, Lord. Uh, as we dig into your word, we thank you for just bringing revelation, understanding to us, Father, light bulbs uh, in our spirits and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so for two reasons. One, because we have some folks that are new to the class tonight, but also because um, I want you to become very uh, proficient uh, in uh, what we started uh, a week before last. And so we're going to do a little bit of review. Uh, we always do a little bit of review, but, uh, you know, when we get to this, it, it's, you know, a lot of moving parts. So I want to make sure that we uh, introduce it to you. Um, I've got a kind of, a, I guess, a collection of these. This is one that Sister Chris made, and, um, and I love it. Praise God. It's awesome. I like the questions on the, uh, you notice she did stars on the, on the spirit, question marks on the soul, and a little bit of confusion there uh, with the, 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 the eyeballs there on the, on the body. So um, let's, um, let's, 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 let's do it this way, if I could. Rather than, I want to kind of breeze through this. So, um, obviously, there's CDs of this. Those of you new to the class last week and week before is where we begin this section. And this section is called Man is a Triune Being. Okay, man is a triune being. We're answering the question, what is man? And this is actually number five in a long list. But number five, man is a triune being. Triune means three yet one. So three yet one, one yet still three. And it's a confusing concept because we know that God is a trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he's one God in three persons. So he is a trinity, three yet one. Okay, now, what we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the key verse, God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And the emphasis there, I tried to inflect my voice when we got to those parts, but the, the emphasis there is um, the plural pronouns. So, in other words, he did not say, let me make man in my image. He said, let us make man in our image, us and our, not me and my. Because we know that God is a three yet one being. So a three-yet-one being created you and me as a three-yet-one being. So when I look at you, I only see one of you, but the Word of God tells me there's three of you when I look at you, okay? And so the three that are you, spirit, soul, and body, okay? So we like to say it this way, you are a spirit. You are a spirit, you possess a soul. Your soul is that part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And then your body, also known as your flesh, and that's where your five senses reside. It's also where your brain, or meat computer as I like to call it, resides. Okay? Let me quickly explain some of these words up here for those who are new to the class. All right? So these words up here come out of 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And it says this, that may, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole, W-H-O-L-E, like the whole thing, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? 
So the reason we have these words up here, these are the Greek words for spirit, soul, and body. So the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. The Greek word for soul is suche, suchi. We get our word psych, psyche, psychology from that. And then the Greek word for body is soma. So may your entire pneuma, suche, soma be preserved blameless. Again, emphasizing, even all the way back to the original language, that we're talking about three distinct components, three distinct elements, three distinct dimensions. There's different words that we can use here. None of them really carry it all the way because what we're basically talking about, the heart of this, is a mystery. right? But what Hebrews 4 tells us is that the Word of God is like a laser. Uh, it's like a gamma knife. It's like sharper than the sharpest surgeon's scalpel or the sharpest two-edged sword. And the Word of God, and the Word of God alone, is able to divide your spirit from your soul, right? Penetrate to the marrow in your bone, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. Okay? Because the reality of it is, just looking, it's hard to tell, you know, because all of you, <laughs> spirit, soul, and body, are all so intertwined and interconnected. We like to use, and I've used this a few times already, we like to use the concept of a hand in a glove. So your body would be the glove, fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, you know, take you 31 years to read the DNA, reading day and night, it would take you 31 years to read the DNA code that, that manages and oversees and even has produced your body, okay? Um, fearfully and wonderfully made, but really and truly, it's just a glorified God-created glove, and your body being the glove, and your spirit and soul being the hand that goes in it, okay? So when someone dies, physical death, again, the word death should be understood as separation. This is when your spirit and soul separate from the glove that is your body. Spiritual death is when your spirit is separated from God. So separation, spiritual death, separation from God. Physical death, spirit and soul separated from the physical body. Am I going too fast for you? Again, we're recording this, we'll give it to you, all right? So I'm just trying to get some, you know, bring us all up on the same page. All right, now, ah, thank you, Jesus. So um, the, this word here is the word zoe, very important. This word is translated life in uh, the New Testament. And this word here is bios. Guess what? It's also translated life. So it's like, well, how do we know, right? So bios is speaking of biological life, biological existence. Zoe is speaking of the life and nature of God. So God says to people who are biologically alive, I've come to give you life and to give it to you in overflowing abundance without end. Abundant life, eternal life. He wasn't talking about bios. They already had that. He was talking about Zoe, the life and nature of God. The arrows, they denote directionality. In other words, life flows from God, who is a spirit, into your spirit. From your spirit into your soul, from your soul into your body. One of my favorite verses, healing, especially when I'm praying healing, praying over someone. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you and is making alive your physical body. So the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is infusing your physical body with the life of God. So this is um, the heart, <laughs> pardon the... Uh, you know, uh, artistic uh, efforts here. Um, if you notice, we drew a heart that encompasses the spirit and the soul because by definition, heart, biblical definition, is the cardia of man. 
We get our English word cardiac, obviously, from that. The cardia of man, the heart of man, is all of man that is not matter. All of man that is not, let's just say it this way, physical, right? So he's talking about the combination of your spirit and soul. Not just your spirit, not just your soul. The Bible also refers to our heart in some places as the inner man. The inner man. With our body being what? The outward man. So you've got the outward part of you, the outward man, the outward man with a womb, the outward womb man, or the outward man. And then you've got the inward man, the inward person, the inward woman. All right? So it's very important that we understand this because, you know, I've even said it a few times in here already. There's a thousand questions of a proper understanding of this, you know, will answer a thousand questions for you. And last week, we kind of ended on one um, out of 1 John. 1 John 1, 1.8 says, If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth's not in you. All right? Two chapters over, 1 John 3.9 says, Whoever's been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Now you think, well, wait a second, John, you just said if we say we don't have sin, we're a liar, and now you're saying that, that God's seed abides in us, and we not only don't sin, but we can't sin. Again, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you'll just scratch your head. Think John's getting old and seen, I don't know what he's saying, or forgot what he said two chapters before. Again, watch me very carefully. If you say you do not sin, you're a liar. But if God's seed abides in you, spirit, right? Spirit. It's a seed of life that literally has made it impossible for you to sin. Not only do you not sin, you can't sin at this level of your existence. And by the way, that is the real you. So Paul said when he sinned, it was not him that did it. It was his flesh. Paul said, I will keep my flesh under subjection. He talked about it in the third party. I will bring it under subjection looked at his flesh not as being him, but as a necessary part of his existence on this earth, that he would not let rule over him, but he, this is he, was going to rule over it. Intriguing? This arrow represents the way the world lives. All the world's answers are outside to inside answers. They do not work. We talked about acceptance, security, identity, significance, and purpose this morning in the morning class. I know most of you were not in here. Some of you ladies were. Um, and so again, we, we try to, to work angles to get ourselves in a position so that what we need is coming from the world and people around us into us. We were not created to live that way. That's living from the outside in. God created us to live from the inside out. Okay, Everything you need being supplied to you by God, flowing through you, meaning it has to pass through the soul and outward into your physical body and then out of your body into the world around you. If that sounds bizarre to you, remember, there's no such thing as a fruit fairy. Apples bear trees. Apple trees bear apples, and they don't come hang them on the limbs like Christmas ornaments. Those, that fruit comes inside that heart. You ever felt of a tree how hard it is? Yet fruit comes out of that tree from the inside of it out. And that's how God created you, for fruit to come from the inside of you, outward from you. Okay? So far, so good. Questions. I know that's a dangerous thing since we're recording. Questions? If you got them, ask them, please. Ready to move on? Yes, sir, Brother Austin. 
Thank you, brother. You're right. Apples do bear trees, don't they? Because as we, I don't know if we get there tonight, but a, a seed bears after its kind. So you're right, they do, brother. The life, the life is in the seed, in the fruit, right? You follow that? And so the seed reproduces after its kind. So thank you. Uh, great comment. All right. Okay, now let's, one last thing, because this again seems to be such a sticking point, and I'm just, I'm mentioning this now, but we're going to get into the nuts and bolts, biblically speaking, of what salvation is, what new birth is, what it means to be born again, all right? Um, but let me just, for now, touch on it, okay? Because I'm trying to show you how understanding spirit, soul, and body helps us understand what the Word of God has to say to us and the answers that it provides for us. And so what we see is the Bible says and speaks of those who have been saved, past tense. The same Bible speaks of those who are being saved, present tense. And the same Bible that says you have been saved, talks about you being saved, also says you will be saved. And so most denominational lines have been formed around different, different opinions about you know, what, which one of those actually is correct. And the answer is all three are correct. So again, watch me very carefully. Your spirit has been saved, if you've been born again now. Your spirit has been saved, your soul is being saved, and your body will be saved, amen, one day when we trade in our physical body for a glorified body comparable to the born-again spirit that already resides within this one. Am I going too fast? Okay. So have been, are being, will be. All right? Yes? So somebody had a really good conversation with me this morning. They were asking me about now. They're realizing how important it is to focus on now. And they were asking me if that was right. I said, let me tell you how right it is. Now faith is, there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, right? There's this, this present moment. What's, what's true now, in the now, right? Amen. So he's a now God. So right now, what's going on with you right now? Right now, you have been saved. But also right now, you are being saved. And also right now, you will be saved. So... We're not working on the part that has been, and we can't do anything about the part that will be. So the target then of discipleship, after a person's been born again, the target of discipleship, the target for spiritual growth for every person in this room interested in growing up into Jesus, is the mind, will, the mind emotions, and will. And we'll talk more about that again. There's a whole section on what we call the renewing of the mind, or what the Bible calls the renewing of the mind. Now, that's right. Praise God. Now let's go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. This might be the third time we've looked at this verse. I warned you that we would look at some multiple times. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. Again, it's another one of those verses without some basic understanding of spirit, soul, and body will never make sense to you. But this is one I want you to find, and if you mark things in your Bible, I want to encourage you to mark it, because it's in, in a very, very important verse. All right. If you get to James, you've gone too far. All right, back up a little bit. All right, so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says this, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay? This is speaking of Jesus. This is speaking of the sacrifice or the offering that Jesus made, uh, His blood sacrifice as the perfect spotless lamb that He made for your sin and for my sin. 
Okay? So it was one offering. The, the context of this is, in the Old Testament, they kept having to repeat the sacrifices. So let me give you an example. All right? So you and your family go into the temple to worship, right? And you bring, uh, uh, let's just say, a, a lamb uh, to be sacrificed for the sins that you've committed. And by the way, you didn't just drop it off. You didn't open the back door of your chariot and let it hop out, you know, and some usher carried it to the priest. No, no, the, the, the man of the house, the husband of the house would go and the priest would assist him, but he would take the knife and cut the throat of that little screaming animal. All right, I know that's kind of gruesome, but because again, he, it, was, it was meant to make a, a mark on this man that the, penal, the penalty for sin is death and God in His mercy is allowing an animal to die in His place. He's the one that should have his throat cut for the sin, but God's allowing this animal's throat to be cut instead of his. So it wasn't like this, you know, uh, real clean, what's the word I'm looking right for here, uh, uh, pristine, uh, antiseptic, you know, what, whatever. Yeah, it wasn't like let him out and all such stuff, or even like watch through a window. I mean, th- this was real, all right? Okay, so you go through all that, and as is the case, because Satan comes immediately to steal the word, you leave church, headed home, and you get in a knockdown drag out with your wife. I'm sure that's never happened to any of you, but I do know people that's happened to. So anyway, and um, ah, so the thing is, commit a sin. Guess what? Time to get another goat, man. Time to get another. Because that sacrifice was only good for the sins that had been committed up until that point. Right? Now we got fresh sin, so we need a fresh sacrifice. Okay? So if you can understand this, then you understand what it means for Jesus to be one sacrifice, one sacrifice for all sin, for all time. By sin today, Jesus doesn't have to get off the throne to go back to Jerusalem and be crucified for that sin I just committed. He's already paid the penalty for that sin. And He's already removed that sin from me. Not in part, but in whole. All of my sin. Okay? So that's why the part of this says, for by one offering He has perfected forever. He has saved you to the uttermost. I can't wait to get to Hebrews. We're going to get there. Praise God. All right. About to get there tonight. Amen. Let me just stay focused. By one offering, He has perfected forever. Past completed work. Perfected forever. All right. Those who, now notice where we jump, are being sanctified. Okay. So watch me again. Perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. This is a past completed work that has what expiration on it? None. It's forever. <laughs> That's good news right there. What did Jesus say when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you? He will live in you till you make a sin, till you make a mistake, till you commit a sin. Till you pop off at your friend, till you say something you shouldn't have said, be in you forever. Never leave you, never forsake you. Even if you're not faithful to him, he's faithful to you. Has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So many times we think of setting ourselves apart in the way that we live our lives, the way that we behave, the way that we carry ourselves as Christians. Absolutely, that's all right. But unless you let God renew your mind, that ain't ever going to show up here in your behavior. Okay? All right, so let's go to, uh, praise God. We're in Hebrews already, so let's just go down a few verses. Let's go to, um, 
Thank you, Father. Let's go to verse 39. There's a, yeah, amen. I could read a bunch of verses here, and we could get a lot of good stuff out of it. We're going to come back, and um, I try to do Hebrews in two hours, okay? Obviously, we don't, you know, we go, I mean, like, we hit it. We hit key verses. I've got them all circled in my Bible so that you'll get a big overview of, of Hebrews in at least the first 10, 12 chapters. Um, but, amen. Tonight, we're just going to stay focused on this one. So, verse 39. Have you found it? Hebrews 10, 39. That was a short trip, right? Not hard to find. All right, so it says this, But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Those who believe to the saving of the soul. All right, I got I to back up here. Let's go to 35. Let's go to 35. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. I need to settle myself down here, right? All right, let's start, at ten, let's start at 35 and make another run at it, okay? Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of faith. Is that what it says? No, it says you have need of endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while. Now, what he does, he jumps from 36. When, he, when we go to verse uh, number 37, he goes back into the Old Testament quoting from the prophet Habakkuk, okay? And uh, my family always says that when I say Habakkuk, I say Habakkuk. I always like say it too hard. So I try to soften it for you that night. All right, then, all right, none of my family's in here to know that I did it right. So Habakkuk, all right, somebody tell them tonight, all right, that I said Habakkuk right, all right? Come on, that's okay to smile in class. All right, so he quotes from Habakkuk, and this is what he quotes. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So he's, he's talking about people who give up. He's talking about people who don't press in. He's talking about people who only go so far, get comfortable and veg out there until Jesus comes back, all right? So he says, that's not who we are. Come on now, is that who you are? It's not who I am. I'm not, I'm not of those who draw back. I'm not going to go so far and quit. I'm going to live by faith, and living by faith means I'm going to continue to reach for that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me, put, in, put within reach for me. But then he says, again, confirming that we are not of those who draw back to perdition. Now, perdition can be translated a lot of ways. Uh, my marginal note says destruction. Okay? Uh, some, talk, some people talk about perdition as hell itself. You know? Well, there's, a, there's another word for perdition that I think, if we're going to go any deeper, we need to at least start on the surface before we go deeper. Remember, we talked about that when we talked about how to read and understand the Bible. So when he's talking about perdition, what he's talking about here more than anything else, are you ready? It's real simple. Let's not overcomplicate this. He's talking about people who miss out. People who miss out. What's the context? The context is, listen, you've believed God, you've prayed, you've stood your ground, you're, you're waiting to receive the promise. You don't need more faith, you need endurance. Don't cast your confidence overboard. Hold on, endure. Keep standing on God's promise. You will reap, you will receive, you will experience in your life reality if you don't draw back, if you don't, if you don't give up, if you don't throw in the towel and say, I don't know why I'm believing all this crazy stuff. I don't know why they ever taught me in a tithe in the first place. Ah, blah, blah, right? He says, don't draw back. Keep pressing in. Keep going after that, right? Because what? We are not those who draw back and miss out, but we are those who believe to the saving of the suche, okay? <laughs> saving of the soul. The saving of the soul, okay? 
We made this statement, I think it was last week. Let me, let me go back to it. It is so important for us to understand the difference between the spirit and the soul. The pneuma and the suche. Because when we hear saving of the soul, we think that just means getting saved. And technically, getting saved means being born again, and the new birth happens right here. So if you have been born again, that is a past completed work, right? I have been born physically. I can talk about my birth now in the past tense. Same is true of my spiritual birth. I have been born spiritually, okay? Now, okay, let me stay focused. So a lot of times when we hear saving of the soul, we just say, well, you know, it's just a, how about this one? Proverbs says, he who winneth souls is wise. You ever heard that one? So, man, we jump on that like the chicken on the June bug, New Testament church. Well, man, she's the greatest soul winner I've ever seen. What we mean by that is this is someone who goes and shares the gospel of the kingdom message with people who hear it, believe it, and get born again. Okay? That's technically not what this verse is talking about. It's talking about influencing the way people think. He who winneth souls is wise. The person who can convince another person to agree with them, to think like they think, to see things the way they see things. That's a wise man or a woman. Follow me? But again, have you ever heard that, who wins souls, wise soul winner? Anybody heard of that terminology? And what did you think it meant? It, it, we think that means, and we equate that to mean, someone who gets other people born again. Getting other people born again is certainly wise. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but words need to mean something. Amen? Somebody like I'm boring you. I'm not trying to bore you. You get anything out of this? I kind of, I'm on a little different cadence tonight. We're a little, going a little fast. All right, maybe we'll slow down here in a minute. I don't know. Are you, is it okay? Okay, so when we, we've got to understand what these words mean and how they affect our reality so that we can understand what God is saying to us. So here he's talking about continuing to believe, continuing to stand, continuing to grow, not pulling back, but continuing to press forward all the way to what? God continuing His work in our mind, emotions, and will. The saving of the soul. Turn with me, it's just a little few pages over, James chapter 1. So go towards Revelation. Hebrews next book over is James. James chapter 1. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right? Now, without going into, again, a 45-minute study on the book of James, um, let's, let's try to set this up, all right? He's, he's talking about uh, tests, trials, and temptations. He's letting us know unequivocally, absolutely, uh, positively, they do not come from God, and no man should ever say they do. But they are a result of the enemy manipulating things in the environment around us to draw us off of the pathway of faith, into something that catches our eye, catches the desire of our heart, or causes us to take control of our own life. Okay? Um, but he also talks about how when we resist the temptation, blessed is the man uh, who is tested, tempted, and tried, uh, but withstands that, that test, trial, or temptation, and that he'll receive the crown of life. Um, and so the man who, who doesn't give in to the test, trial, and temptation is the man or woman who continues on the pathway of faith, who continues, you know, 
in spite of all of the enemy's efforts to move you off of what God's Word says. Okay? So do you see the, the comparison here to believing to the saving of the soul? Hanging in there, seeing it through, not caving in. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse test trials and temptations because the enemy has two choices. Number one, just sit back and let you take everything God has for you into your life reality. Or number two, try to stop you. Now, if, if, so all he has really then is to try to stop you, but this is, the, this is the rolling of the dice. This is the gamble that he takes. If he tries to stop you and is unsuccessful, all he's going to do is make you more difficult to deal with next time because you've grown in your faith. You've, be, you've, you've developed character. You've developed steadfastness. You've developed endurance which is the key to a lack-nothing life. Nothing in your life lacking. Okay? Anybody want to live lack-nothing life? Is that, am I the only one? Okay, praise God. So he's telling us how to get there. He's telling us how to get there. So he carries on down, because again, the context of this has been, you know, verse 15, desire conceived gives birth to sin when sin is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights. No variableness. We hold all the variables right. We've looked at this. Then verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Okay? I don't think I'm trying to stretch something to fit here. He's talking about the new birth. He's talking about people who have been born again. That is a spiritual birth. The new birth is a spiritual birth. It is the rebirthing of your spirit. Okay? Through that rebirthing, God gives you a new spirit. He doesn't refurbish your old spirit. He doesn't dust off, clean up, wash your old spirit. He puts your old spirit in an unmarked grave, buries it with Jesus, gives you a new spirit through the new birth, and makes that spirit one with his spirit forever. Okay? Now, we'll show you all that, praise God. But let's, let's stay focused here. So he finishes verse 18 talking about how we've, been brought forth we've been born from his word the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures verse 19 so then my beloved brethren in other words in light of this hear me out let every man be swift to hear come on now slow to speak and slow to wrath Right now, again, spirit, soul, and body. Right, you know, we're gonna. How do we? How time out? How did we used to give someone a piece of our mind? Right, we did it by speaking, right which meant what was in our heart in abundance overflowed out of our mouths. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Meaning what? We got angry. We get angry, something about it, right? Our ears shut down and our mouth opens wide. We're not listening, we're speaking. Okay? And he's saying you got to reverse that. you got to be quick to hear. Be deliberate, slow to answer. Soft answer turns away wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Verse 20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What is he saying here? He's saying 
that your anger towards another person is powerless to change that person. You cannot get mad enough at another person to change that person. All right? Or the situation, or let me add one more to it, or yourself. You can't get mad enough at yourself to change yourself. All right? Anger is, just for the record, what is it? It's an emotion, right? It's an emotion. And it's when the mind and the emotions boil over. A lot of th- See, if we're not careful, mind and emotions team up. They just override your will. I mean, they just truck right over your will. I mean, just, you know, it's like, while you're saying it, there's a voice in the back of your mind going, I should not be saying this to them right now, right? I'm probably about to get fired. I might as well go clean out my locker and the whole time your mouth is, right, 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 right? You know what I'm saying? Okay, all right. So, ah, so again, you see the combinations here, all right? For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 21. We find one of our more important connective words. Therefore. Remember what we said about therefore. Therefore means in light of what you just read. In light of what I just told you. In light of the things that you just learned, let's make a very important application. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness an overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to, what does it say? Save your souls. All right, exactly. Yes, it does, absolutely. But... Okay, well, okay, I appreciate that. The, uh, okay, 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 got all that. Listen, listen, I'm, absolutely, absolutely. What does repent mean? Repent means a new condition of mind, right? Not just don't do it anymore. Change the mind, change the way we're thinking, okay? All right, I'm not trying, listen. All, I'm not saying these comments are wrong, but just hear me. I'm, not, I'm wanting just to focus on something. Uh, for, I'm, I'm, in other words, I'm reading these verses for a different reason tonight. Okay? Manifold wisdom of God. Multi-layers. Okay? Right? You follow me? Okay. So you, you can preach weeks and weeks and weeks on one verse. All right? It's, I'm telling you, that's how deep and fast the wisdom of God is. All right? So, yes, we should ask people to forgive us. Yes, we should ask God to forgive us. All of that, okay? But if I'm going to be real straightforward with you, that is not what these verses are telling us. Yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. But what he's trying to give us insight into here is how do we change? How, how is it that... All right, so I'm sure no one in here, but you probably know somebody that has a short fuse and a problem with their temper, right? Okay. How, do, how does that person change it? Can, can you get upset enough? Can you get... All right, so we used anger here. All right, the wrath of God does not produce um, the righteousness of... The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let me say it one more time. The, the, the anger of man is powerless to change another person. Okay, you know what? The worry of a mother 
is powerless to change another person. Are you what I'm saying? In other words, when we start talking about negative emotions, these kinds of things, none of them can make a man or a woman right before God in the eyes of God. Okay? All right, so what he's trying to show us here is what actually can bring the same salvation. I left this one important point out, okay? Let's make sure we understand this, okay? James is writing to people who've been saved. He's not writing to people who don't know the Lord. He's not writing to people who've not been born again. He's writing to people who have had a new spirit, born again uh, spirit, and become one with God's spirit inside of them. Now see, we want to say, well, you know, I mean, if somebody's really been born again, they wouldn't be acting like that. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's like saying, well, if that child was really a human, they wouldn't cry at night, you know. I mean, yeah, they cry at night, you know. It's part of it. It's growing up, right? You understand? Well, you know, if that was really a human child, they wouldn't think so childishly. They're a child. That's the reason they think childishly. So when we talk about, again, what I'm trying to show you here is we hear saving the soul, and we think, not we, but a lot of people think it's talking about getting born again. Are you following what I'm saying? So yes, we ask forgiveness. Absolutely, thousand percent. But he's trying to show